Welcome to the Ringer Podcast Network. Season 8 of Game of Thrones is underway, and you can stay up to date with the Ringer staff as we make our way through the final episodes of the series. On the podcast side, listen to Binge Mode Game of Thrones with Mallory Rubin and Jason Concepcion, The Watch with Chris Ryan and Andy Greenwald, and a pre-capable series on the Recapables feed where we'll make predictions on episodes to come. In addition to our Sunday night Twitter after show called Talk the Thrones, our YouTube channel has tons of other Game of Thrones related content, which you can find at youtube.com slash the ringer. And for even more Thrones coverage, head over to the ringer.com. Hello, and welcome to another episode of the Recapables Killing Eve Edition. I'm Allison Herman, and here with me, as always, she's about to be in mourning. It's uh, Kate Hallowell. Hello. <laughs> what an episode. I am wearing all black today. I wore my mourning clothes. I did like notice that. Very <laughs> on theme. Not on purpose, but it was just fate. This show in fifth episodes, man. Oh, my God. Episode five of Killing Eve is like the new... I don't even know. It's it's exceptional. Well, I every do time. have. I'm just gonna like launch straight into my oh, yeah, tweet yeah, yeah. length review, which We're is on the same wavelength. It, here. It's just like an essay, an old school SAT analogy uh-huh. for all my you know high schoolers <laughs> out there. High school <laughs> nerds. If you're listening to this show uh, while procrastinating on your homework, we support you, even though this is probably technically not appropriate content. <laughs> but as Game of Thrones is to gigantic battle episodes in episode nine. Killing Eve is apparently to sexually tense home invasions in episode five. And I love it. I love it so much. Yeah. Lots of parallels in this episode to last season. Lots of callbacks. We'll get into them. Yes, yes. But... Real quick, what was your 280 character lesson? My take? tweet length review is one of those fake Instagram quotes, you know, where like you see like some deep quote and then it's attributed to like Marilyn Monroe. That's what this is. You can never be overdressed, overarmed, or overdramatic. Villanelle, probably. Ancient assassin <laughs> proverb. I think that's probably true. So there needs to be like some sort of justification for finally getting even Villanelle in the same room together. Yes. Which is what finally happens. As I must say, I predicted at the end of you our did. last episode. You did. You called it. I feel like this is a very vindicating episode for both our predictions. Sure. Because you also called Villanelle and the Ghost. It had to happen, you know? Anyway. And I wish we'd seen more of it, but we're going to get into that. We're just clairvoyant and great viewers of the show. <laughs> but they need to have, like, some sort of overarching reason for the two of them to be together again. Yes. Which brings us to our first segment, which is Plot Corner. Yes. So, Eve comes up with this great... Not at all stupid and unnecessary plan. <laughs> She's so good at that. <laughs> to get Villanelle in a room with her and eventually do her bidding by commissioning a hit on herself. Yes. And then somehow this kind of works and they go to like a shipping container in the middle of a forest. And Villanelle announces after some sort of like unseen confrontation with the ghost who is a prisoner of the British state, as you may recall, that... Aaron Peel is selling some sort of weapon, and that's the kind of, like, nefarious scheme that is behind all the deaths of the Alistair Peel associates. Right. She's like, it's always a weapon. She's like, okay, yes. sure. Are we satisfied with this explanation? I'm not. We're going to get into this a little bit later, but we don't see Villanelle, like, whatever she does to the ghost, we have no idea. The ghost is just in this container. She walks in. She's like, do you want to watch Eve's like, no, which is fucking wild. Of course I you want to watch. I think that was plausible <laughs> deniability. I think that was That's like, true. I know you're going to do some like wildly illegal things in there. Right. I don't want to like 
tell myself I know about it or are okay with it or enjoy it. It says the woman who <laughs> contemplated subway murder, like, not a couple hours ago. <laughs> Listen, we all know, like, self-honesty and self-awareness are not Eve's strong suits. Very true. So. Very true. So we don't see what Vilnau does to the ghost. And so we don't know if we can trust the information that she just gives us when she comes out. Nothing, it looks like nothing happened. She, she walks in and looks at the ghost. Physically, she seems fine. Okay, I just feel like one of the things they teach you in, like, assassin murder school is how to torture someone without leaving body marks. Like, hit him with a phone book on the yes, body? Yes, exactly. <laughs> but, like, surely more elegant than that because it's Villanelle. I don't right. know, like, strangle her she, with a veil or something. She didn't have any weapons. We walk in, like, the ghost is crying and is like, you're a monster. But it's like, what did she do? Threaten Not her clear family? whether she's referring to Villanelle or Eve or both. Right. And it's, hard, it's just hard for me to imagine, like, goofy-ass Villanelle, like, doing anything or saying anything that would make this like extremely composed woman like break down. Maybe that's just me being like Villanelle is just like so entertaining. But I'm just like, did she annoy her to death? Like what? <laughs> She's terrifying, and I could also see her. Like we know the ghost has kids, right? That was know, my one. That was my question. Actually, yeah, we know Villanelle is extremely cavalier about all forms of child murder for sure. She's so. into it. She's straight up into it. Yeah, I think honestly, I was just from like a pure logistics perspective. I was like, wait, I thought it was public that parts of the company. How do you disguise selling a weapon as selling? like, corporate assets. Right. But, you know, again... This show does kind of play fast and loose with that stuff, like, the actual spy stuff. Yeah. Um, I don't so, think yeah. the point was really to, like, give us a really convincing explanation. It was just to be like, yes, there was, like, some sort of purpose. Right. And Villanelle does seem super pissed when Eve, like, isn't grateful and doesn't thank her well enough. So it's not like... She doesn't seem like she's like, oh, you know, you should shouldn't be trusting me or whatever. She's, like, actually just pissed that Eve's like, oh, you, like, you just take, take, take. So well, it's almost too boring for Villanelle to make up. Like when Villanelle right. makes up a story, it would be like Aaron Peel is coming up with some James Bond right. villain style. He's sleeping with gas. his sister and they wanted to hide it and blah, blah, blah. Yeah. Yeah. Right. He wants to like eliminate the nation of Scotland from the face of the right. earth or like something really crazy. But you're right. It's too boring for her to make up. So that kind of addresses the like, Spy stuff. Spy whatever. There's some closer to home stuff that we should probably sort through, which is what is Carolyn's deal? (laughs) She is really up to something. And she was like very shady in this episode. Like we didn't get too much from her own perspective other than her meeting with this guy, Martin, in the library. So I feel like we kind of slept on slash like the show lulled us into a sense of security slash like punted on the question of like in the premiere, we get the like, what's the deal with you and Constantine? And then Carolyn basically just says like, you're not going to tell me stuff and I'm not going to tell you stuff. Right. And everyone just accepts it and moves on. Right. And now we get another reminder that like, maybe Carolyn isn't entirely on the up and up. Like not just with Eve, but with the organization that employs her. Yeah, and she and Villanelle both, I guess, you kind of just get distracted by, like, the quips and the outfits. And, like, you forget that, like, these are not great people. And I think Carolyn is also, like, increasingly in that camp of, like, you are maybe not a good guy. But, yeah, we get more of that this episode. We saw her going through Eve's mail in the last episode. Yeah, and then this episode, yeah, you mentioned she brings in this guy Martin to give some presentation. And he (laughs) says, like, my official recommendation is that because he gives this presentation about psychopaths. Uh Uh-huh. What a presentation it is. (laughs) Just Incredible. We're just going to preview work-life balance. The fact that, like, terrible PowerPoints about spycraft are just a running bit. It's like MI6 is just 
an office like any other if you really think I about it. I found it truly hilarious. Like the, the Ferrari in the bag where he couldn't get rid of the car and then the papyrus font, that one really sent me. <laughs> and then later he reveals like this was a deliberately terrible presentation right. designed to elicit a, a response of like quiet superiority, I believe right. is the term. Yeah. Like lull them into a false sense of security so that like they feel smarter than him yes. and then he can like actually. So he is actually observing Eve, we find out, yes. and the fact that she does not flinch when a dead body shows up, to which Carolyn is like, good for her. Classic. <laughs> but then he's like, she's too close to villain she looked away when she came up and I was talking about how she can't form human connections. Right. My official recommendation is, quote, it's a no-go, which we don't learn what that really means, uh-huh. except that, I mean, presumably it means just, like, take Eve off the mission. Right. And then Carolyn still lets her... Clearly ignores that, yeah. <laughs> ...go through with this plan. Exactly. And I honestly feel like this mission was a no-go, whether Eve is too close to it or not. Feels like a bad plan, but the fact that Carolyn is greenlining, like, this idea and Eve's other crazier ideas lately is just, it's questionable. Well, and we get some sort of hint as to why she might be making these questionable decisions when uh, we pull away from Eve has gotten Villanelle into the car and they're pulling off to the, you know, MI6 black site in the forest. Right. And Carolyn and Constantine are just chilling in a car chilling together. Chilling in the car. They, like, look at each other and smile. I was like, what? Are you guys going to go for ice cream now? Like, <laughs> what are we doing? It's like proud parents. I know. So, like, look at our kids playing nice together. <laughs> I truly cannot think of any reason, or I guess the theme of this episode is sort of Eve gets closer to the dark side, gets closer to, like, meeting Villanelle at her level. For sure. Maybe Carolyn wants to, like, speed that along and, like, have some sort of Constantine Villanelle relationship with her on the side. I don't even know. Me either. I guess we'll find out. <laughs> So that brings us up to date on plot. There was some. It did happen. <laughs> but now we have Eve Pilastri's work-life balance, which is every week we think it can't get worse. Such a robust category these days. <laughs> so we start by the ghost is in government custody, and we don't actually get to see Eve's initial interrogation. Right. But we infer that it was not successful because there's some like unidentified white man <laughs> yelling at her. Yeah, they're like, he lost his touch in Afghanistan along with his leg. <laughs> Very tough for the this mad, guy. As a professional television critic, their Mad Men joke was extremely rude. Yeah, I felt like that probably hit to where it hurt. Listen, <laughs> Mad Men is a feminist triumph. It is not like your archetypal dude show. I could have supplied seven <laughs> different options that would make that joke more accurate and less offensive to me personally. That's fair. But I accept it. But Eve is just like really blatantly like, the ghost is boring. Why isn't she more fun? <laughs> and like, I love that she like feels comfortable having these conversations with Jess now. Like they've bonded to the point where she can like actually say this. And Jess obviously like judges her, but like they have kind of the point where they can go back and forth and like Jess tells her about the paperwork and it's kind of like a watch yourself, do your job, but it's also like looking out for her. You know, she says, do you do paperwork? And he's like, no, that's not part of my job. And she's like, it should be. And if someone wanted you to be doing paperwork and they wanted your actions to be tracked, you would be doing paperwork. So it's kind of just like a warning, like, I'm looking out for you. Yes. A rare positive note on the work-life balance. Yeah. It is important to have work friends. It is. And he was kind of working on that, even though it was, honestly, I like don't love Jess's taste in work friends. You know, There's not a lot of great options, though. Jess's work-life balance can be a segment <laughs> yeah. for another season. But for now, you know, just have peers that you can have honest it's a great discussions point. with and then they can give you heads up, like the one... That Jess gives to Eve. Yes, for sure. Okay, and then, so she decides to commission her own murder. 
Yeah, also just very unclear, like, how this is done. Yeah. She's just like, oh, we'll just hire her to murder me. And I then <laughs> two scenes later, Villanelle's getting the order. I mean, I guess we assume it went through Carolyn to Constantine, right? Yes. Well, now that you bring that up, yes, there's a very direct route. But, like, but Eve technically Eve shouldn't know that. Yes, yeah. Eve doesn't know that. Right. So, And she acts like it's just very easy to get in touch with these, like, illicit <laughs> assassin networks. <laughs> So just like, you know, get on an app somewhere. They have apps for yeah. everything these days. Once again, like I need information for how one hires a freelance assassin right. because like someone needs to get in touch this, with somebody. This goes back to our freelance assassins beat where we just need more information in general. Yes. Um, so that happens. And then there's this whole talk between Constantine and Villanelle about how, you know, she should murder Eve because it's a job and Eve is like making her sloppy and messy or whatever. And basically Constantine makes this joke where he's like, oh, you won't remember her name next week? So the next scene we have Eve and Nico having dinner. Eve gets a delivery of flowers that say Eve, her name. Well, but not until they have Indian. And right. <laughs> Eve is like, did you get extra lime pickle? And Nico, bless his heart, is like, yes, I'm not an asshole. I'm not an asshole. <laughs> Which is truly like my vision That's love. of partnership. That's love right there. So yeah, she gets this extremely ugly flower delivery. They look like the flowers like Kanye West and the Kardashians send to everyone, which I personally think Ooh. are hideous. Um, just I think for it's the more, record. It's just like a very untasteful quantity. Yes. I think like a bouquet with just a card that said Eve yeah. would have like really been refined. Oh, yeah. Because Villanelle is so refined. Never over the top at all. Or I don't know. It could be like a really big bouquet. <laughs> it's just like the blockiness of the letters is like this is yeah. not chic. Yes. But she's clearly remembering her name, which I think that was the point of to be like, hello. You're meaningful to me, and I'm still thinking about you, and you're still thinking about me. So then Eve, and this, Eve walks back Just into her house. very excited. <laughs> and is like, you want to go upstairs? To poor dear sweet Nico, who has no idea what's going on, thinks his wife just suddenly cares about him again. Yeah, and we've gotten indications that, like, Eve is not typically in the mood for sex with him right. as a person. Uh-huh. He tends to get excited at the prospect uh-huh. and very disappointed when he's yanked away from him. So I think he's just not looking a gift horse in the mouth. Right. Although he so definitely should. That's not great that, you know, flowers from her assassin girlfriend are the only thing that puts her in the mood to have sex with her husband. That's tough. That's a tough look for Nico. Yeah, I want to bring that up in counseling if they ever if they ever get you there. Know, it's, it's not great, maybe. Maybe a red flag. Also on the protect Nico beat, we're expanding this to uh, protect Kenny. Oh, Kenny. Dear, Our poor sweet Kenny, dear, who sweet child. actually might be sort of protected because Eve maybe fires him. If you can't stomach this, I'm sorry. That's not my problem. This is the job. I need to be able to count on your support. You mean you don't want me asking any questions? Not when we're at this short on time, no. So, are we okay? What with this? No. All right. I'll ask Carolyn to move you to another team. What? Are you... Are you sucking me? I'm sure your mom will find something else for you to do. Side note, love how she's like, this is the job, like, right after Jess is like, your job is not actually supposed to be doing fun things and never having to file paperwork. (laughs) Yeah, Jess is explicitly like, you are acting beneath the law and, like, some shady shit. 
And then Kenny's like, I don't want to do shady shit. And she's like, that's the job. <laughs> Everyone's job is doing exactly what I want at all times in pursuit of my girlfriend. No one has gotten screwed more on the show than Kenny. I really, other than the people who have been murdered. But other than them, Kenny gets really in. I mean, just, yes, uh, but on the other hand, he's an incredibly employable skill set. It's true. I he doesn't like, need to be working for his mom. Yes, I feel like he could definitely go on the job market either in like illicit espionage activities or he could just go work for the Peel Company. Those oh, beanbag chairs look very oh, comfortable. Damn. Some like free boot on tap talking about Rose Tyler in the break room <laughs> that feels like more his beat actually Kenny we want that for you exactly. go find yourself a start I feel like this might be the you know it feels like rock bottom but really it's the beginning of a long slow climb up for our <laughs> dear boy Kenny dear boy Kenny well we wholeheartedly wish Kenny the best it's not too late for his soul but for Eve he needs oh, I just I it's really been a rough couple episodes for him anyway he's gonna be fine he's gonna bounce back yes. he has like room for improvement and his yes. soul is still intact. Yes. Whereas our heroine is like contemplating murdering random strangers on the subway. She sure so. is. <laughs> so there's, yeah, there's a scene on the subway. She's got the bulletproof vest on. She's on her way home to basically have her like fake assassin sesh with Villanelle, basically like be killed. And she's on this platform and this guy like moves behind her, puts his hands on her waist and kind of moves her out of his way. Honestly, like not that egregiously. Like I wouldn't want that to happen to me, but that's not the worst thing that's like probably happened to either of us on a subway platform. It is not. <laughs> <You know? laughs> so she like looks behind her and like literally starts contemplating pushing this man into the subway tracks. Yes. I think a theme of the season is like the longer <laughs> that Eve is in this game, the more she just becomes like Villanelle and yeah. like gains that killer instinct. And in fact, the ghost at the very beginning is like, if you're so interested in this, do you just want to do it yourself? And Eve is like, I don't think I have the guts. And she still doesn't, but... Maybe soon. <laughs> Getting and, there. Yeah, and this did seem like a callback to the scene or the episode last season where they're in Germany and Villanelle is sort of stalking Eve in the train station and Eve has no idea when she's getting on the train that she's there, whereas now it's like Eve sort of like looking at and stalking this random person who has no idea. That's not great character evolution. Yes. Good catch, by the way. There are a lot of explicit callbacks in this episode. Mm -hmm. I'm not sure if that's one of them, although definitely could be. Trains are obviously a very important right. part of that Berlin episode. <laughs> but one last item on the work-life balance is Protect Nico has really just gotten more urgent and <laughs> pressing than ever before. Because uh, yeah. <laughs> People are really abandoning the Protect Nico train that we started, but we are still riding it. We and are the only two residents of Nico Island. It's so important. Things are more dire than ever for our boy. He needs our support because <laughs> Villanelle has just taken things face to face. Oh yeah, she met him at the end of the episode in Oxford where he was sent on a fake spelling bee trip um, that we'll get into later when we're talking about quotes. But just literally face-to-face -face is like, hi, um, your girlfriend has forgiven me after stabbing me. Um, and also, I've been telling your employer that you abuse young children. Right. Sorry, Sorry about that. <laughs> Sorry about the complaints. Uh, just so nice to meet you face-to-face. -face. Just basically is like just fucking with his brain. And it's tough. He honestly, he kind of like shoves her up against the building and like threatens to kill her. Is that pathetic or was it a good move from him? Uh, Are we proud not a of great him? move either way? <laughs> I took it as very like he thought it was something he was supposed to do right. in the moment, and if he didn't, it didn't seem like he had his whole heart in it. Which, like, right. of course he does. I agree. I know, what a sweet boy. <laughs> I know. 
But he's like, tries to get her away from the kids, which is good. He just doesn't know what he's he's up against. My main question was like, the episode ending cliffhanger is Villanelle finally telling him directly, by the way, your wife stabbed me when she was in Paris. And that's why she was like sitting in her bathtub, staring off into space for an hour. Right. When she got home and he looks all slack jawed and terrified. Yes. I'm not sure this is like technically any worse a violation than, like, I didn't tell you we needed a security guard and I'm not telling you many other things, even though you said you would start telling me things. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, she's done so much wrong up to this point and put his life in danger in so many different ways that you're right. I don't, I mean, I feel like this will be a deal breaker for him, but it probably should have been broken a long time ago. (laughs) What's a light stabbing? Again, like, if not the D word, they definitely should have at least gotten to couples counseling by now. Yes, for I feel sure. like this, we're very obviously at that stage. Yes. Protect Nico. Please, Nico, travel everywhere with your security guard from now on, including couples counseling. Yes. So <laughs> we've been waiting all week to talk about the great sequel, Dinner Party from Hell 2. Yeah. Electric Boogaloo. <laughs> <laughs> Villanelle and Eve have yet another meeting at... Eve's house, and it is the clear sole candidate, really, for our scene of the week this week. Yes, there was no other. You know, our favorite episode last season was episode five, the big dinner sequence where Villanelle breaks into Eve's house, like, threatens her in the bathtub, is like, I just want to have dinner with you. Eat some shepherd's pie. Uh So this is kind of the spiritual successor to that. Yes, I feel like very tough act to follow. Famously, Phoebe Waller-Bridge, like, wrote the scene out of order so that, like, Jody could audition with it because it was right. that important to right. making sure it would work. I think it's mostly interesting to me as, like, a update of where their dynamic stands after Eve has stabbed Villanelle and gotten a lot scarier and Villanelle has gotten a lot more unhinged in her attachment. Yes. So, right off the bat, Eve opens the door. She should be wearing her bulletproof vest. She's just taken it off because... I guess, what the fuck's that going to do? Yeah, what's the point? <laughs> and it's ugly, I think, was her main concern, actually. Yes, it bulks her. <laughs> right. It's unflattering. Yes. Um, so she's just taking that off. That was her only uh, fashion moment, really. We're going to get into the fit of the week later, but Villanelle shows up in this floor-length black gown with a veil and just, like, breezes into Eve's house with champagne. Yep. Just no <laughs> surprise on either of their parts. And then Eve is like, do you want to take off your shoes? Because you can come into her house and threaten to murder her, but you can't track yeah. dirt on the carpet. Gotta That's just the too house far. Rules. And then Villanelle's like, do you want to search me? And he's like, what's the point? <laughs> also true. Extremely fair. <laughs> I think, yeah, like you see Eve is acting a lot tougher. Right. And Villanelle is impressed, but also, like, you're never going to out-scary Villanelle. Like, you yeah. hit the wall. Yeah. But we did have a clip of, like, probably the, the most important, juiciest part of their conversation. You could have killed me. I know. I think about that all the time. Really? Do you think about it? Are you going to apologize to me? No. Are you? No. Okay, good. There we are then. (laughs) Whew. 
Honestly, Eva's great in the scene. She really holds it until the arsenic thing. She really holds her own. Yeah, until like that mild brush with death. But <laughs> clear callback to the stabbing scene in the apartment. Yes. I think about you all the time. I think about the fact that I could have killed you all the time. Notably right. not with regret. Right. Is is she maybe like, oh, I should have killed her when I had the chance? Mm, hard to say. <laughs> hard to say. Not really clear. Yeah. Um, so then we have some unbelievable bluff calling on Eve's part because she's like, I'm here to kill you. Eve's like, okay, sure. <laughs> right. So she, Villanelle puts it's like little pills on the table and Eve just straight up like takes them, like stares her down. Also call back to like when she stabs Villanelle and right. at first is like, yeah, I did it. And then is immediately like, oh shit, no, yeah. and tries to undo it. She's so good at that. Yes. Takes... <laughs> What she thinks is arsenic is right. like, I dare you. Villanelle calls the bluff and is like, oh, yeah, that totally was poison. And then she immediately is like, oh, no. And then tries to make herself puke in the sink while Villanelle laughs her ass off. Yeah, really just like classic from both of them. <laughs> really tough. But also, I mean, when Eve is like, I put out the hit on myself and Villanelle is like, how could you do that? I could have shot you. I could have run you over like it could have easily not been face to face, and you couldn't have told me that. And Villanelle's like, or Eve's like, no, like that you would never wouldn't. have done that. And also, like, here you are to prove me right. right. So, so from there, you know, Villanelle's just like, I'm expensive, and Eve's like, I know. And then she's like, will you do whatever I want? She's like, yes. And then they go off. And we don't really know what that is. We don't, but we'll find out. I'm assuming there was like some financial transaction, but maybe there was an emotional one. Seems like it. Just an incredibly homoerotic threatened stabbing. Oh, yeah. As you do with like a curved knife. Yeah. What sort of weapon was that? I don't quite know. It kind of looked like the Game of Thrones dagger. (laughs) Yes. In this scenario, Eve is the Night King. Yes, for sure. And Villadel is definitely Arya. Those two would. A lot of parallels there, actually. Fully get along. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's a much more convincing parallel. But speaking of Jodie Comer and the character she plays doing violent things to other people. Oh, boy. It is time for our favorite segment, Jodie Comer Can, in which we itemize the things Jodie Comer can do to us based on the things that she does in the show. So without further ado, Jodie Comer can add insult to injury by beating me to death in a car wash, thereby dirtying up my car just as I'm getting it cleaned. Oh, man. The indignity of that. So rude. Jodie Comer can interrupt my hotel room service shift to put her head on my lap and strictly instruct me in the proper way to pet her hair. It is hard to you find You gotta someone. do it nice and soft, you know? Exactly. Jodie Comer could also show up at my house in morning attire, tell me she's going to kill me, and then prompt me to ingest fake arsenic to prove my love for her, prove her love for me, either or. Hard to tell. Hard to tell. Jodie Comer can do unidentified things to me that result in my divulging sensitive information about my employers that even MI6 couldn't extract. Honestly, no idea what she did. Again, there was no physical markings, but whatever it is, she could do it to us. Yeah, I also would not be surprised if the ghost just like suddenly dropped dead from like delayed onset poison or something next episode. (laughs) Really can't put anything past Villanelle. Yeah, we'll see. But great Fit of the week week. Oh, my for God. the second week in a row. Just an incredible run. Truly, Villanelle is back in full swing. <sighs> it's just She's an embarrassment of riches. Celebrating her rearrival back on British soil with so a shopping great. spree, I suppose. So great. Okay, so right off the bat in the beginning of the episode, we get this great, and honestly, like in the pantheon of outfits, this is like pretty low for this episode, but it's still so good. She's got this like low-key outfit at the beginning when she's on a bridge with Constantine, and she, it's like a leather and like olive green bomber mm-hmm. with black zipper cargo pants tucked into like 
calf-high military boots. Yes, when she's just like staring into the eyes of those like the random like, gold-plated people who sit very still and act like statues. And yeah. it's like, I've picked up a hobby. I'm going to stare at people in the street now. Yeah. Does that one of Carolyn's hobbies? Who can say? We're still oh, waiting to find out. <laughs> maybe that was the... There was like that weird shot where they linger on the female one at the end. And I was like, is that Carolyn. another assassin? <laughs> Would not shock me. She gets real freaky on the weekends. <laughs> just incredible stuff. Incredible. Then we get this other throwaway outfit where it's just a really quick scene with Villanelle and Constantine while they're walking for him to meet a friend who I we now think is maybe Carolyn or someone related to Carolyn to put out the hit on Eve. And she's got like this long like floor length kimono style coat with red bell bottoms. Again. It's very like textured. Yeah. It's like sort of like an Asian style with like clouds. But yeah, it's like very structured. Some very autumnal color schemes. Yeah, it's fabulous. It's really good. It also looks just like, like a Carolyn fit too. Yes. I could see Carolyn in that. Yeah, I feel like Carolyn. It would be like a more simplistic, like just like yeah. a, maybe a burnt ochre, shades but of like, blue or something. Yes, the silhouette was very on brand. But yes. again, like this is just Villanelle's like walking around. Right. This, this is isn't like, even her like no. I am like dressing up. This is like forty five seconds of screen time. <laughs> Incredible. Great work, everyone. <laughs> Another throwaway outfit is when they go. I guess to get like I think it's to get weapons. Yeah. Yeah. And so, like, you know, as in the John Wick universe, just any assassin story needs just, like, a really cool scene where they stock up. It's, like, cute but evil. Uh-huh. And this is, like, some shop where a dude has a cat. But Villanelle's just wearing this, like, beautiful, like, red and black pattern jumpsuit. It's great. And, like, I promise I will eventually shut up about Fleabag Season 2. It's not that day because the Phoebe Waller-Bridge Extended Universe just loves a statement jumpsuit. Incredible. Without spoilers, the first episode of Fleabag this season, Phoebe Waller-Bridge is wearing this, like, very chic black jumpsuit with, like, a keyhole around her bust that is just the most, like, perfect fitting, effortlessly cool. Like, she and Villanelle could definitely, like, hang out and just talk about their clothing choices. I can't wait for that. For hours. I know. Great stuff. (laughs) There's going to be a cameo in, like, season five. I can already feel it. (laughs) Amazing. Also, so many great silk dressing gowns. She had that green one on in the last episode. She has, like, another pattern, kind of like another, like, similarly, like, kimono, some sort of Asian pattern on this one as well while she's getting ready for her date with Eve. Yes, and (laughs) seeking solace from this, like, poor hotel valet. Right. So, yeah, just love a silk dressing gown. So does Villanelle. You you gotta have great clothes to wear before you get into your other great clothes. Yeah, it was like a primping scene. Yes. Great. Which... All of this has just been leading up to the true yes. fit of the week, which is, oh my God, Villanelle's morning widow gear. Unbelievable. I let out an actual noise when she opened the door and she was in a veil. <laughs> but it's also like a veil that's almost like a fascinator. It's oh, like, yeah. It's like the bizarro dark version of what people wear to a royal wedding. Yeah, it was like like Kate Middleton's evil twin. Yeah, or like royal or royal funeral. Yeah. Like yeah, what, yeah, yeah. what Queen Victoria would wear while she was wearing all black for, like, 60 years or whatever. It was honestly wild. Like, she, I was like, oh, yeah, you are crazy. <laughs> oh, it is so dramatic. Oh, and that moment in the scene where she's like, do you think I'm insane? And it's like, it's like yes. Yeah, we, literally, yes. We know you're insane. That's, like, how this works. That's how you are able to murder <sighs> people for a living. And then she's, like, tromping through the forest in that dress, like, the floor-length dress, like, walking through I the know. forest. She, I, like, just imagine being the ghost and being like, okay, great. Like, and who the after, fuck's gonna come in here? She just kind of, like, walks away. She's like, and like, yeah, cool, I'm done. In this pristine, like, gauzy black dress. Amazing. And honestly. then somehow conveys herself in evening wear from this forest in rural England mm-hmm. to Oxford, where she is sporting just 
opposite end of the spectrum from like high femme red lipstick veil. Uh-huh. Just full academia. I'm cosplaying as a fancy college boy menswear. Absurd. Just gorgeous knitwear. Oh, yeah. With like, it was like not tied. It was like a sewn sweater cape. Would you say that's what it was? Yes. I think she's ready to start on the crew team at Harvard. And then like the pants were like puffy. Gorgeous trousers. I she, I just love it. Yeah. She's I mean, so over the top. Yeah. I definitely, you know, as my personal style preference, like sure. that was a lot more aspirational yeah, yeah. for me. And I just really great. appreciated it. It's so great. Yeah. And we mentioned it already, but I feel like we should mention Eve's uh poor run-in with the <laughs> bulletproof vest, which she's so, you know, of course she would be upset not because it's like heavy or uncomfortable, but she's like, it just makes me look bad. Right. Listen, I get it. It's tough competition. You I know, know what's coming for you. Like how she's upset that her like dossier has a picture where she just looks super hungover. Right? I know that was so relatable. <laughs> he was like, there was an embarrassment of riches. I know. Has anyone <laughs> ever taken like a good work ID photo? No, definitely not. Mine looks just insane. It's always bad. All the time. So it is time for our quote of the week segment, the rat holding a can of Coke award, which I thought had like a very direct sequel in Carolyn just mouthing off in the library where she has her clandestine meeting about, you know, various things. We'll just play the clip. I always worry about being crushed underneath one of these. They don't seem stable, do they? Imagine, like the witch and the Wizard of Oz, just two little shoes poking out. Just imagine. That's just where her mind goes. I love her so much. Even when she's being evil and shady, I just, she's incredible. I also feel like we should mention that um, Martin, right? Yes. Yes. He is apparently, he mentions that he works at Broadmoor, which is, according to Wikipedia, a criminal psychiatric hospital. Oh. Or no, high security psychiatric oh, hospital. Great. It sounds like it's sort of the British equivalent to something like Bedlam, where it's like, it's gotcha. just a shorthand for like, he's just dealing with intense stuff He really all the time. is an expert. Yeah, which is why he's not allowed to why? wear belts in his place of work. Got it. You know, I couldn't, I needed subtitles. I couldn't tell what he was saying, and so I didn't get the belt joke. Yes. So I'm so glad he, he says said that. He says at Broadmoor, which is how he was also like, oh, I had to change my clothes because there was like an incident there. Oh so God. that's that's the wow. bit of context we needed. Martin, I love it. Yeah, so a few other quotes from this episode. There's a good one from Villanelle at the beginning, talking about the guy that she had to murder. Did you see his number plate? No. I'd have killed him for free. Did you actually see what was on his number plate? I did, and I'm sure it was something horrible. <laughs> yeah, I mean, like, I'm sure it's just the existence of vanity plates in general are yeah. probably offensive to Villanelle. That's they enough. Can, there are a few well-executed ones, but I feel like, by and large, they're considered, like, slightly yes. passe. Yeah. So. Maybe not murder-worthy, but close. Yeah, also, I think Constantine mentions that his uncle is the one who commissioned the hit on him. Yeah, he does. Just, oh, yeah. my God. <laughs> Definitely a douchebag. Um, also, in an exchange with Constantine, after they're talking about her killing Eve, basically. <laughs> killing Eve. Um, <laughs> Constantine's like, you tried to shoot me. And she just turns around and goes, when are you going to get over that? <laughs> it's just uh, a minor, yet. just a flesh wound. Uh, yeah. She's already forgiven Eve for stabbing her. So like, all's yeah. well that ends well. We're moving quick. So I feel like we should just have like a subset of this award just be like the Carolyn Contains Multitudes line. That's because, a great point. Because we find out just casually, Nico quote unquote has to go out of town for like some spelling bee right. to chaperone mm-hmm. and Eve immediately picks up first of all it's like he's like I don't have to save you want if you don't want and she's like no please no, like, no go, go leave go. <laughs> get out um, 
and Eve immediately picks up that this was Carolyn's doing, and she's like, how did you manage to strategically get my husband out so my assassin girlfriend can come by and, like, maybe try to murder me? Right. And Carolyn just goes, I was the British spelling champion in 1973. It's a very supportive network. So now we know one of Carolyn's hobbies, or at least one of her past hobbies, spelling. Well, I looked up Fiona Shaw's birthday, and if it corresponds, it means... Carolyn was like about 14 or 15 at the time, mm. which is pretty late to still be involved in spelling That's bees. That's true. You have I to be like, like really good. Oh, yeah. She was committed. But she won with Sisyphean, which right. has maybe has thematic significance, but also IMHO, not that hard a word to no, spell. No, I agree. Although I definitely spelled it wrong when I Googled it to see what it meant. <laughs> <It's> <laughs> okay, fine. I had a general understanding of what it meant. I could have used it in Look, a sentence. Yes. If you know what it means, that's clearly more important than being able to right. spell it right in Thank your first you. shot. I agree. We live in a modern society with spell check. Thank you. I appreciate that. But the exact definition, which I could have told you, is it's used to describe a task that can never be completed. Ooh. Dun, dun, dun. Foreshadowing. <sighs> yeah. So, you know. And Carolyn, like, specifically tells her that instead of answering her question about whether she, like, supports her on the record. So that's maybe not great. And even though we are on the record fans of Nico, we hear and see all you Nico haters. And apparently the show does, too, because it just delivered the most iconic burn. Oh, my God. A huge burn. (laughs) Look at you. Huh? You look like someone stuck a mustache on some fudge. Not particularly fair, but devastating. Cuts deep. <laughs> Poor Nico. He's just so overwhelmed. He has no idea what to think. I like want to know what he thought Villanelle like looked like and acted like. I, I want to know like knows, what his. I think he knows what she looks like. Well, because remember they briefly met when oh, she was right. on the way out. Right, right, right. And she had the British accent. Yeah, but yeah, I don't think he just any, wasn't ready. I don't think there's any predicting what Villanelle is going to act like when you meet her. No. Um, and when she tells him about the stabbing, she goes, crazy, right? You would think I was the bad guy. <laughs> Can't imagine. Imagine that. <laughs> okay. So the extended Killing Eve syllabus. Yes, we've been brought up. We have lots of marital baggage to deal with. But yes. while they sort that out. Yes. Comer's making the rounds again. Yes, continuing to do the press tour. She went on James Corden this week in a panel with Dax Shepard, which, you know, it's James Corden policy to have a panel, but, like, was not, you know... I could use less Dax Shepard in my life and more Jodie Comer. That's all I'm saying. (laughs) Some of our colleagues at The Ringer are big fans of Bless This Mess, but I don't think anyone is as big a fan of that show as we are of this one. Yeah. So just give me... Either undiluted Jodie Comer time or in the case of another talk show appearance she recently did, just like really juicy anecdotes. Yes, she was on the Graham Norton show and she told a story that related extremely closely to our interests on this podcast. A lot of people just look at me and think, is it her? But I had one recently that was really strange. Someone asked me um, for a photograph and I was like, yeah, sure. And and was um, posing for a photograph and then she quietly just whispered in my ear, Will you strangle me? (laughs) So to clear up some rumors and misconceptions, that was not either of us. It was not. uh, It can't be proven that it wasn't either of us, but... Well, I feel like our listeners deserve to know (laughs) that you, at the Killing You premiere that we attended, call back to episode one, very important and connected journalists, you had the opportunity. I saw 
the offer being made to introduce you to Jodie Comer, and you were literally like, no, I can't. Uh-huh. That didn't fact happen. Overwhelming. The closest you got is, in fact, your current Twitter avatar, right. which is just you looking adoringly while right. Jodie is like a full 50 feet behind Listen, you. it's for it's for her own good, because I would not be able to keep myself from being like, yes. stab me. But you have the restraint. Maybe it was a listener to this podcast <laughs> who has been just internalizing all the things that Jodie Comer Honestly, I do. support anyone who meets Jodie Comer and is like, punch me in the face, strangle me. I support any of those fan interactions. So go are, with my blessing. <laughs> you are living if not, our If not dreams. hers. But Sandra Oh, been relatively quiet, but definitely had a moment. She had a real viral moment this weekend. Um, she was at the Time 100 Gala, and there was this viral video of her and her curly bangs. She had like a curly pompadour and like a feathery muumuu. Just absolutely getting after it on the dance floor. Sandra, one of the cover stars of the Time 100. Yes. That's only like four or five out of the whole hundred. She looked so good. She looked fabulous. She looked great at this event. And like there were so many videos of her just absolutely like headbanging and dancing so hard on the dance floor. And I just love her. I love that that's just her vibe. I know. She really seems to be feeling herself. She's living her best life. As she well should. Uh, Kate is too humble to do this, but also Uh. in terms of our extended syllabus, I feel like we need to do some cross-promotional content for Kate's thirst because she is literally a professional (laughs) thirst monster. I've been called the official uh, thirst correspondent of TheRinger.com. Yes, and your latest entry on this beat is a post on The Ringer, which we are going to link to in our show notes. Oh, are we? Oh, yes, we are. We have no choice. Is it, in fact, America's ass, an investigation? Spoilers for Avengers Endgame, I guess. Um, yeah, it's just about Chris Evans' ass. Don't worry yeah. about it. <laughs> someone, someone in Endgame breaks the fourth wall and admits that Chris Evans has just, like, a manifestly great ass. Yep. So, so yeah. If you would like a detailed breakdown of the how and why... I've got it for you. Oh, yes. You're Kate so, has delivered. You're so welcome. So... All right. And now we are going to turn... Our minds away from the gutter. <laughs> Briefly back to Killing Eve, you know, what we're here to talk about. Exactly. Predictions um, for the next episode. So I think we need to get some more deets on Carolyn and Constantine. Like we, I agree. We put the whole question of like exactly what's going on there on ice for a little bit. We picked it back up. We just need answers. We need to know whether they're good or bad. We need to know whose side they're on whether we can trust them. Like, even if they're playing both sides, like, ultimately they have an agenda. Yeah. Well, it's also like there aren't even sides. There are just, like, six different players. Like, there's yeah. the Peels, there's the Twelve, there's the Freelance Assassin Union Yeah, or there's the Ghost or whoever the Ghost is working for, and if she's working for anyone or just herself or Villanelle or whatever. Who even knows? Right. So, like, maybe they're just kind of, like, spinning off and, like, making their own little alliance in the middle of all these foreign governments and shady organizations. The in which two. case, yes. <laughs> Good for them. Yeah, I support that. But, yeah, just some answers would be nice. I think we're definitely leading up to that just because we keep building up with all these questions. Yeah, and my other prediction is that I think Kenny may go from, like, appealing to Eve and being like, you should change your life to mm-hmm. now that she's fired him. I think he's going to try to like actively keep tabs on and maybe like work against her now. I mean, I under, I totally see where he's coming from and I kind of support it. I mean, I think MI6 clearly needs some like internal review. Yeah. So if he wants to like take that upon himself <laughs> and like be an ombudsman, it seems like they need to clean house. Oh, I just want Kenny to be happy. And the other person we want to be happy, is Nico finally going to snap? Is this it for them? I think yes. I think he's going to snap 
something's bad's gonna happen. I think he should snap. I just think like we've had this weird thing happen where like he seems to be drawing a line in the sand and then two scenes later they're like eating Indian food. He seems to be very bad at like definitively drawing a boundary and like sticking to his ultimatums. Yeah. And I hope he learns to do that because that is an important skill. Okay, right now, we just finished episode five. Three episodes left. Let's make a prediction, yes or no. Does Nico survive the season? Oh, you know, my heart is saying yes, but my head is saying definitely no. (laughs) I'm going to say yes. Okay. I mean, we need variety. We do. Do we want to, like, put some stakes on this? Oh, my God. Yes. Okay. Sandwich bet. Okay, I will buy a sandwich bet. Yes, someone is buying someone else's sandwich. Okay. Maybe a, I don't know if you saw this on Twitter, a Marks and Spencer LGBT sandwich. Oh my God, perfect. (laughs) Yes. It's perfectly for the show, British LGBT themes. Yes. And on that note, this was such a delightful episode to talk about. So great. We will obviously be breaking down the three remaining episodes of the season right here on the Recapable Speed. And until then, thank you so much for listening. Protect me. 